Welcome to this audio recording by the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Jim Falk, President of the Council. We are a non-profit, non-partisan organization dedicated to promoting public awareness of global issues and the ways in which they affect the Dallas-Fort Worth region. Become a member today at dfwworld.org and help us connect North Texas with the world. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Haynes & Boone, LLP. We hope you enjoy it. I think the fact that there are five people here from Al Jazeera America tells you how important they think uh, Dallas is. So uh, Mary Caracoli, who is the senior executive producer, who she's the person who, who puts together the primetime news. Uh, Don Bridges is a senior vice president for communications. Francis Kane is uh, chief of staff to EHUB. And um, Ken Ripley uh, is EVP for for advertising. So, so they are all here. Um, John Siegenthaler, well, you've seen him. You've seen him on Dateline. Uh, you've seen him on the Today Show. He was the first anchor for MSNBC when it started. He was the NBC uh, weekend anchor. Uh, they're whispering. Maybe I got that wrong. But he was he was definitely definitely there, president of the creation of MSNBC. He was NBC weekend anchor. He's covered some of the most important events of our time, including 9/11, the tsunami, Hurricane Katrina, and at Al Jazeera America, he anchors the evening news at, at seven and ten. And w- one of the reasons that I became interested in in, in Al Jazeera America, quite frankly, was because of the backgrounds of the people who have joined. So uh, Don Bridges has a, a, a great career with, had a great career with Time Warner. Uh, Mary was at, at, at ABC, at NBC. Uh, Fran was at, was at NBC as well. And, uh, and the president of uh, Al Jazeera America, Kate O'Brien, uh, was with ABC News for 30 years. It's a very Serious. This is this is the thing that I've been I've been waiting for for 15 years. John Siegenthaler. Ambassador, thank you very much, and thank uh, you to Jim uh, for bringing us to this event, and thanks to all of you for coming to hear us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for the warm Dallas welcome. I. Um, it's always nice to come to speak to a, a distinguished group like yourselves uh, and find out uh, 24 hours before that you have to give a speech. But um, I, I, I am comfortable and happy to speak about Al Jazeera America and do it every day. Uh, I did get a call from my wife when I came down here, and she said, um, your mother called. My mother's 84 years old in Nashville, Tennessee, and she said, she said, Tell my son that Ebola has landed in Dallas. She said, tell him to wash his hands. Um, I did, I woke up this, I did, I woke up this morning like you did, and I got, uh, Good Morning America, and the first thing a reporter said was, Dallas is a city in fear. And I hadn't seen that. Um, but I'm proud. I'm proud to be here. I, I am a native of Nashville, Tennessee. Although I work in New York, I live in Connecticut with my family. Um, but I thought that I might start with a little story about Tennessee politics and journalism and the art of communication. Um, I, my father was a journalist. 
Um, and there's a there's a story about Tennessee politics that I like to tell that I think uh, uh, is is interesting and reflects uh, how journalism has changed and how it remains the same. <clears throat> there used to be a governor in Tennessee named Gordon Browning, and in 1955 he was running for re-election. He was a Democrat, um, and he had decided he was going to make his first campaign strip in the eastern part of the state. So if if you know Tennessee politics, you know that the eastern part of the state was more Republican and middle and west Tennessee at the time was more Democrat. But he had decided that the best thing that he could do was make a trip to the eastern part of the state, and that's where he'd, he'd uh, make a campaign trip. And he invited a young reporter along with him to make the trip. So they, they got in in the car in Nashville, they got in the big black limousine and they started driving to East Tennessee to a place called Mountain City. Mountain City is on a mountain. And in order to get to Mountain City, you gotta drive up this sort of long, curvy, two-lane, dangerous highway to get to the top. And so they made their way in the big black car around the curves up to the courthouse. And there was a small, polite crowd that met them and the, the governor got out of the car and he stood up on a stool and he made his his campaign speech and at the end he looked out over the crowd and he said I have one last thing to tell you I want you to know that the next time the next time I come to Mountain City is going to be a brand new four-lane highway that runs all the way up the mountain to your courthouse and they cheered hooray and he got down off the stool and he got back in the car with the Reporter and the reporter said, "What are you? What, what were you doing? You just promised those people a multi-million-dollar highway. How is it possible?" And he said, "Son, if you're going to be a reporter, you got to learn to listen." I said, "The next time I come to Mountain City, I don't plan to come to Mountain City ever again." Some. Some things change, some things stay the same. So um, I, I thought I'd fast forward to 2014. I'm the anchor of Al Jazeera America's broadcast at 7 and 10 o'clock your time. We've been on the air a few months, and we get a call from Stephen Colbert. Uh, how many of you watch the Stephen Colbert report? Well, um, I watched it too, and they asked me to do an interview, and I thought, sounds exciting, probably a good idea, but it was a little bit, I was a little bit worried. I, yeah, I knew he had a big audience, I, I knew he had big influence in the media and the political world, I, I knew he was capable of putting me on the spot and asking me all sorts of questions, silly, uncomfortable questions. Um, but we agreed to do the interview, and so I started to prepare. What would he ask? What could he ask? What should I say? And then we got in the car, another big black car, with uh, our CEO and with our president and with Dawn and one of her assistants, and no pressure, no pressure. And I walked, I walked into the studio, and... We were getting ready, you know, I was a little bit tight, and suddenly there's this huge roar on the other side of the wall, and it feels like the whole building starts to shake. 
and the comedian is warming up the crowd before I get out there. I feel like I'm about to walk into the lion's den. So then Stephen Colbert comes out really quickly, and he says, look, I'm Stephen. Nice to meet you. Here's the deal. I'm the village idiot. You just keep saying what you have to say, and it'll work fine. Don't let me throw you off at all. Don't let me knock you off your balance. I thought, great, that's terrific. So, um, well, I, so here's what happened. Journalism. Okay, okay. Let me point, that, 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 that may be true. Or it may not be true. It is true. But I'll tell you what's true. Jim, put up, can you put up the, the, the Al Jazeera symbol, please? Okay. That is terrifying. <laughs> that looks like, that is not only Arabic, it looks like Arabic on fire. Do you? <laughs> it looks like exploding Arabic. Do Why you, shouldn't I be afraid do you know of what Al Jazeera? Do you know what it means? What it, I don't know. It says the bombing starts at midnight. No. What does it mean? <laughs> no. What does it mean? It means peninsula. 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 It's what not. does that mean? Is that a metaphor? No, what does peninsula it's like mean? Florida, a peninsula. It means that's where the attack is it coming. It means Florida. Florida. <laughs> okay. What was the draw for you, though? I mean, you're an established um, uh, uh, network anchor. What's the draw to work for this fledgling network? If you've been watching journalism and news over the last four I or five years, journalism you are. You know. You know there's been a dramatic change in the way journalism has turned lately. It's I mean, very interesting. It's now. been more about opinion, mm -hmm. a lot more sensational, mm -hmm. and a lot more about celebrity. And uh -huh. that is not where this channel is headed. And the opportunity to work at a channel that covers serious news again mm -hmm. was a tremendous opportunity for me. And okay, I jumped it. Lead story tonight, what? Um, Syria. Okay, Miley Cyrus has bleached her eyebrows though. <laughs> Did you cover that at all? We didn't cover it at all. Okay. No. How do you keep people from being afraid of this? You know, I can't keep people from being afraid of this. And I can't, I can't convince people of that. All I can do is say, watch what we do. And I think if they see what we do on the air and they see the stories that we cover, mm -hmm. they will, I think they'll understand that we're doing serious news. Well, we're John, I think... <laughs> if I know anything about the NSA, someone is watching what you're doing. <laughs> John, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. John Tudor, Al Jazeera so. America. Check it out. We'll be right back. I stand here before you having survived a Stephen Colbert interview. He, he, <laughs> he's back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, he asked a lot of questions that I think people have. Serious questions that people want answered, but they may be afraid to ask. And so in some ways he did us a huge favor um, by having us on the air. I'm glad it's over. Um, but let, let me try to shed a little more light on our operation and tell you a little bit about what we do. And then I want to have Mary, Mary Caracoli, who is my partner in crime um, at Al Jazeera, who helps put on these. She, she creates these terrific broadcasts at 7 uh, and 10 o'clock your time. 
that we work on together, talk a little bit more about about some of the stories we cover. But first of all, Al Jazeera America is a network run by Americans in America for an American audience. Um, we have editorial independence. There's nobody whispering in my ear telling me what to say. Uh, as the ambassador mentioned, many of the journalists that I work with every day have long distinguished careers in the top networks in the country. Um, some of the names you may recognize, and some you saw on that videotape, Ali Velshi, uh, Joey Chen, Ray Suarez from the NewsHour, Antonio Morrow with ABC News, Tony Harris from CNN. We have 70 bureaus around the world. We have 12 bureaus in the United States, including Dallas, which we are very proud to be in the city of Dallas, and other places like my hometown, Nashville, Tennessee, and New Orleans, and Detroit, and Seattle, and Denver, places, in fact, where the networks, many of the networks had bureaus, but closed them down. We are funded by the government of Qatar, which also funds some 29 different networks around the world, uh, including Al Jazeera English, uh, Al Jazeera Balkans, Al Jazeera Arabic, sports channels, even a children's channel. It's arguably one of the largest media networks in the world, maybe the largest media network in the world. So I, Stephen asked me why I decided to come to Al Jazeera, and I had left NBC a few years back and thought I might head down a different path, and so I started to do some media consulting. I, I suspected I might never go back to journalism. I'd spent a long time in it and thought I was done with it. I worked for NBC News for 12 years. I, I was one of the first anchors hired at MSNBC. I worked in local news in Seattle. I worked in Nashville, Tennessee. But um, I was drawn back to journalism by Al Jazeera America, and... One of my former colleagues at NBC News who used to work in Los Angeles had gone to work for Al Jazeera, and she called me up on the phone. She said, we need to have lunch because I think this is a perfect opportunity for you, and I think you need to take a look at it. So they told me of their plans to open 12 bureaus in the United States. They told me of their plans to focus on real news, in-depth news, fact-based journalism. They told me about their bureaus worldwide, and their award-winning journalists, one of which is in prison in Egypt today. Three are in prison in Egypt today. Um, the one I was thinking about was Peter Gresta, who, who appeared on our program many times in the early days of Al Jazeera America, but has since been imprisoned. Um, and we, uh, imprisoned for doing his job, in prison for telling the truth and has been jailed for it. We continue to call for his release. They told me about um, their resources, and they told me that, the, the, that they weren't focused on ratings, that they were focused on quality journalism. So just like you, I jumped at the chance, and I have been... Incredibly pleased at uh, the results. Did I say we're on at 7 and 10 your time? <laughs> we are. We're on AT&T. We're on DISH. We're on DirecTV here in Dallas. 
We cover a wide variety of stories, which Mary can talk about in just a moment. Yes, Al Jazeera is known for its international coverage, but we have the resources here in the United States, and we we are proud to cover stories that other networks and other cable channels don't cover. Let me talk just a little bit more about journalism and and why I'm so proud of what we're doing. Um, all of us who pursue careers in journalism have watched with grave concern at recent times as the economic forces and the technological forces and, yes, the political forces have dramatically changed and negatively changed the, ca- the character, the culture, and, and the real nature of news reporting in the United States. Um, we've seen newsroom staffs in the United States, once occupied by a very talented, experienced professional journalist, decimated by layoffs, buyouts, uh, forced retirements, and, and outright firings. Uh, a story yesterday in the New York Times said they're going to, a, a story about the New York Times said that the Times is about to cut another hundred people from their staff. We have seen what has happened to both newspapers and TV. Um, there's been a real focus on as I said there, since sensational celebrity scandal, gossip, contrived stories, political conflict at the expense of real news. At, at, at a critical and troubled time like this, I think the public needs to understand the events and the environment that confronts us all. Our network provides fact-based, in-depth, unbiased programming, and we do it without shouting. In our first year, this network has exceeded my expectations. And not only do we have, as promised, complete editorial independence. In fact, I worked at a number of news organizations in my life. One of them was General Electric, which owned NBC News. I can tell you that I, in this job, I have had absolutely no interference with what Mary and I put together every night. That's saying, for a journalist, that's saying a lot, I'll tell you, because every owner every media organization in the country usually wants to have some influence. I haven't experienced it here, and I can tell you that has not been the case at the other places I've worked. Um, so I'm proud of our coverage. I am proud that I am surrounded by journalists. Proud, I'm proud to be an or, a part of an organization where Experience is valued, where a news story well told is valued, where the needs and the interests of viewers and readers are valued. And I am surrounded by journalists who um, who are committed to those values. So I thought to continue the conversation, I'd introduce uh, the senior executive producer of our programs, Mary Caracoli, and then we'll take some of your questions. Thank you, John. Can you tell I'm a lot shorter than he is? (laughs) Um, It is such a pleasure to be at Al Jazeera, but I have to tell you, just want to share a quick note about Dallas. We've been here. It's our third day here. We have received such a warm and truly engaging reception from everyone we've met. Uh, A lot of curiosity. What are we about? 
a lot of knowledge already from so many people of what we're about, uh, and a true commitment uh, to wanting to know how the world works and and how how you can be a part of it. I, I've really got a sense of how international Dallas is, how diverse Dallas is, but how entrepreneurial and really uh, that sense of, you know, just the beginning. Uh, everywhere we went, with everyone we spoke with. So I, I thank you and, and all of the people that we have met over the last three days for that type of reception. It's just been phenomenal and uh, makes me proud that we have a bureau here. Uh, this is the right place to have a bureau. So many thanks for that. Uh, John and I have a fun job. Every day we have to get together with our team and decide what in the world you need to know about. And there's a lot. Then we have to decide, okay, what's top on the list? How are we going to make sure we're telling that story that respects your intelligence, but also respects that you're busy people, there's a lot going on in your world, and you may not know everything there is to know about this particular subject. We need to put it in context for you. We don't believe in dumbing anything down because we have a lot of respect for our audience. But we do feel it's our obligation to make sure we're offering some context to have something make sense. And, uh, you know, we, we try to do a good job with that. Some days I think we could do better and we come out after our show saying we should have done this, we should have done that. It's all about building and, and making a better product. But the type of stories we're looking for are the ones that really, they could be in Dallas, they could be in the state of Texas, they could be somewhere in the United States, they could be somewhere around the world. We have no, uh, we, because we're based in America, we don't feel we have to lead with an American story if that's not the most important story of the day. If it is, that's what we're going to lead with. But we do think about you with those selections every day. What matters? What should you know about? What, what's out there that you may not have heard of? Uh, we were committed to covering the ISIS, ISIL story long before you heard it on any other network. Uh, we had the resources on the ground to do that uh, through our media network and through our own correspondence. We were able to tell you who al-Baghdadi was before anyone knew how to say his name. We knew that you would want to know, that you need to be ahead of the curve, with all the different roles you play, civic leaders, business leaders, community leaders, those looking for social change, those looking for a way to make sure your entrepreneurial effort is, is based in the right place doing the right thing. There's a lot of different reasons why you're going to want to watch our network, but what you're going to get is a quality product that gives you context of what's going on in the world, but also tells you the story in a way that is going to help give you an insight that you're not going to have elsewhere. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, our, one of our correspondents, Nick Schifrin, uh, has spent the last week in Turkey. He is filing his last uh, story from there tonight, or tomorrow, when we'll be doing a half-hour special on that tomorrow night at 7 and 10 p.m. I invite you to watch. Um, shameless plug. <laughs> uh, 
And in fact, I just learned a few minutes ago that uh, Turkey's parliament has agreed for Turkey to get involved militarily uh, in as part of the coalition against ISIL. So uh, a little breaking news for you there if you had, didn't get it on your phone already. But so Nick's been reporting about all sorts of things from, from Turkey uh, because Turkey's really become a very center place for this crisis. Folks from Iraq are fleeing to Turkey. Folks from Syria are fleeing. We're seeing a whole influx of refugees. Nick was able to talk to a former ISIL fighter who is now fighting for the other side and, and not with weapons, but trying to win over hearts and minds and saying this isn't the way, a defector from ISIL. But one of the most poignant voices, I think, was a little boy who uh, at a refugee camp who had come from Syria and we hear 500,000 refugees. It's just a tough number, right? It doesn't hit home. But when you see a young man, 10 years old maybe, going back to feed his family at the refugee camp with one small plate of rice to feed seven people, you say, boy, it's not easy to be a refugee. Now that 500,000 or whatever the number is resonates with you in a different way. Now you understand. It's put in a context where you get it. And whatever decision or thought process kicks in after that, it just gives you an understanding that you wouldn't have if we were just throwing the facts that the AP News Service is generating for us and for all the news services all, all day long. We go beyond that. And the only way we can go beyond that is with terrific reporters like Heidi Jo Castro, a reporter in Dallas, who's been spending a whole lot of time at Texas Presbyterian the last couple of days. So uh, she couldn't join us today. But... Um, and Heidi and her crew, Liz Flynn and, and Juan, they, they go around this area. They've talked to a lot of you about what matters to this community. And it's not always something that's global and overseas. That's, that's, that's part of what we do. And I know that's a big part of what an audience like this is interested in. But it's also what's in your backyard. What is it that's important to this community? And I hope before we leave today, we have a much better sense of what you want to see on our air. What's the important stories from Dallas that need to be told? What are the ones that are going to shape the national and the global dialogue? From what I've seen over the last couple of days, there's quite a few. And there's a, quite a few people in this room who are, are contributing to that in a really important way. So we're really honored to be here. And John and I open it up to your questions. We want to hear from you. Questions? Raise your hand. Yes, sir. Ahmed, right? Thank you. Uh, Jim and uh, Ambassador Glassman has given great endorsement to Al Jazeera, but I want to tell you just a little story. Uh, about four years ago, there was a uh, uh, national security advisor, uh, Brzezinski, talking at SMU, and then he talked about uh, American student, how ignorant they are about history and geography, and he said that there was a survey they did over 50% they couldn't, know, uh, they couldn't put on the map what Iraq and Afghanistan are, which is uh, the most important national security uh, uh, at that time. And he said one of the reasons is the media. He said a few years ago we used to go and watch at 5.30, everybody watch ABC, NBC, and uh, CBS and get the news from there, but the media has changed dramatically. Now it's uh, about sens sensationalism and so on. And then he said, 
uh, he used to watch see, uh, uh, the uh, British. Uh, yes, and then he said he had just three weeks ago he found another channel which was Al Jazeera, and he was so amazed about you know the news and so that was great endorsement then four years ago, and I think with the Jazeera America uh, being watching it. And uh, I really think it has made, you know, big, big difference. And thank you again. Thank you very much. I'm going I'm to I'm stand out here and, and go to the questioner. This will be fun. Okay, so, so there's somebody who's got to be closer to me than that. I wanna, yeah, Pat. Uh, thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to see real people behind the wonderful product that you all put out. And I'm a fan. I have a cousin who reports for you in London. When, when Al Jazeera started, before you had the American, uh, you know, the American presence that you do now, I heard that there was a difference between what was reported in English and what was reported in Arabic. I have no idea whether that's true, but can you comment on that? Yeah. Uh, there, the, can you hear me okay, everyone? Yes. Good. All right. Uh, the Al Jazeera Media Network, as uh, uh, John pointed out, is has about 29 different entities. Included in that are a variety of networks, uh, the Balkans, Turk, AJA, that's Al Jazeera Arabic, Al Jazeera English, and so forth. So each network is independent. Each network, like Al Jazeera America, can uh, form their, their own editorial directives and uh, cover decide what stories they want to cover. Uh, Al Jazeera Arabic is a regional network for a region, so they tend to have, stick to uh, that region and be folks who are from that region. Al Jazeera English takes a more global view because you could be turning it on in Africa and watching it. You could be turning it on in Australia, in London. Uh, so the English-speaking world um, will be watching Al Jazeera English outside of the United States. So they have a very different audience when you look at that. It's a very regional audience for Al Jazeera Arabic. It's a global audience for Al Jazeera English. Al Jazeera America, obviously, our audience is here in the States. But you will also, you will see, I think, uh, a, a number of programs from Al Jazeera English that are on our air, and also many correspondents. Peter Gresta from Australia, who is in prison, he, he was a, is a correspondent for Al Jazeera English. You could have seen his reports when we first launched. Um, so it is a mix of, of both. Okay, we have a question from back here. Hi. Um, I'd be interested in hearing from either of you about the uh, decision-making process, the motivation for Al Jazeera to come into the American market and what your uh, projections are in the future in America. And we're certainly glad to have you here today and to have your input into the news programming. Thanks. Thanks. Let me start? Yeah. Okay. Uh, neither John or I was consulted when the deal was made to buy Al Jazeera America. Um, however, I would have loved to have been a fly in the room. I have to confess that. I would have loved to have seen, you know, I love deal making, like seeing how those things work. I, neither of us were, were involved with that decision. So what the, why come to America? Our, our feeling is, uh, as, you know, as we try to take our educated guesses of why this would be a good place, it seems really obvious to us. 
This is the United States is the media capital of the world still. And if you can make it in on this stage, then you've made it. Uh, you have more impact. You have you are communicating with the American audience. So you to be a truly global uh, network, I, I personally feel, and it's my opinion I'm sharing, is that you have to be a presence in America. You have to be uh, uh, have that uh, set up shop and be successful in in your reporting. Have boots on the ground. Have the bureaus we have. Be committed to storytelling and you know, the fact based, unbiased journalism. The real news that we're committed to. And you, to say you're doing that and, and not have the strong presence in the United States, I think, you know, makes them say, well, how, how big can you be? We don't see you, right? And so uh, I think that's my guess of, of why do, uh, do create this network. But I will say as an American, uh, I'm very glad it was. And as a professional like John, I was very disheartened with where our industry was going. Uh, I spent a lot of years doing financial news and consumer news, and every show that I would do from one to the next, there was a level of wanting to water it down, not respecting the audience. And and I really was against doing that. I felt like I want to make the information accessible. Absolutely. That's our, that is an obligation we have. But not dumb it down, not go lowest common denominator. And so for Many of us, I guess, how Al Jazeera America has created the other side of it is those of us who decided to come to the network. And, you know, there's, there's the decision, the business decision to do it, but then there's the editorial decision of folks like John, myself, the people at our table to say, we want to be part of this. Uh, and I, that's as, that's as important as the business decision. I would just add that, our, you know, you, you talked about what our plans for the future are. And I mean, look, the first year, and because I was at MSNBC on day one, I know that building a cable news channel is uh, not an easy thing. It is it is a long, complicated process. Um, and, and we are going to go through changes. Uh, we've gone through changes in the past year. We'll go through more changes in the coming years. I think the, the bottom line is that we that we have grown. We continue to grow every quarter. We, we want more people to watch. Um, the business people can talk about uh, how they want to grow commercially. Um, and, 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 but, but the bottom line is that we're in it for the long haul. Great. Other questions? Okay. I'm going to get to all of you, but I'm going to Lynn first because she had her hand up first. Very fair. Thank you. I'm Lynn Novak from the Tower Center at SMU and delighted to have you here. I do have Al Jazeera app on my phone along with Al Jazeera America app on my phone and I recommend them. But um, I wanted to ask you about the recent news about Qatar and the funding that has come out of there to various groups in Syria and um, the funding for jihadists uh, from the New York Times and foreign policy, I think, mostly. And this is not meant as a negative comment, but uh, you both are news experts and you follow the news and you may have a little insight into what is actually going on in Qatar. 
Qatar, Qatar, I've heard it both ways now, um, that you might be able to share with us to give us an idea what is going on there in addition to the U.S. base that we have there. Uh, we've had very good relations with them, but there's also a lot of questions about it there right are, now. There are a lot of questions. It's a very good question. Um, I, I would say, first of all, I don't speak for the government of Qatar. I, I, I'm a journalist, and we cover Qatar. And, in fact, um, we did we did a number, a series of stories on uh, money, the questions of where money would come from going to different groups. Uh, and we focused on Qatar uh, for about eight to ten minutes uh, in our most recent story that we covered um, uh, on Qatar. But uh, I, I would say that in general, I mean, you could, we could talk about this probably for another two hours because it, it is one of the topics that um, is, I mean, is talked about and the most interesting as of late. Uh, I would say a couple of things when it comes to Qatar, as you mentioned, the largest military base, U.S. military base uh, in the world exists there. The State Department has just come out saying that Qatar is a, is a valuable partner. Um, they, they are, the, the government of Qatar has said that it does not fund terrorist organizations. However, like Qatar and Saudi Arabia and um, countries in Europe, there are people, individuals, uh, who give money to things, and even in the United States, who give money to things that are bad. Um, the question is, what does the government do about it? The question is, um, you know, are they doing enough to stop that? And, I mean, I think that that's a very, very oversimplified answer to your question, but I think that's, that is the question. And those, and those stories we're pursuing and those stories we, we talk about every day on our programs. Okay. Yeah, I've been uh, thinking about what you're saying about the uh, unbiased, uh, non-sensationalism type of reporting that you're making, and excellent, I have to say. Thank you. Uh, and I was start thinking, who would be your competitor in the U.S. other other than the main channels? Is it like a BBC, for example? Or who would be better? Know, competitor. A competitor. Oh, a competitor. Better? I didn't say better. <laughs> who would be better? I thought, who is better? I <laughs> no one. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think possibly... Uh, a BBC, which is not in uh, as many homes, um, but uh, uh, BBC World probably as opposed to BBC America. Um, I actually flirted uh, with BBC America several years ago when they were starting a uh, uh, an evening newscast, and they didn't like the fact that I didn't speak British. Um, <laughs> I never had that problem with Al Jazeera. <laughs> But I, but um, I mean, I, I think, I think CNN International as well, um, which I watch uh, because I, I get off the air by the way at midnight, um, Eastern Standard, Eastern Time, and uh, so I'm, I was a night owl anyway. I'm really a night owl now, and I do watch CNN International. But you know, it is relegated. CNN International is relegated to the wee hours. Of the morning, if you're not a night owl, you probably won't see CNN International. But that's one of uh, that's one of our competitors. Yes, um, and let me just add, uh, you know, I, I before Al Jazeera America came along, I used to watch BBC, which is only on in Washington D.C. the news part for I think an hour a day. But the difference is that Al Jazeera America is very much oriented toward the U.S. market, and I think that's really important. It's it's, it's 
it's the things that, that Americans really care about. Okay, there's a question over here. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank you for coming today to Dallas and to talk to us. Thank you. Uh, you are probably one of the preeminent best news programs on in the United States today, wow. my opinion. Thank you. I wake up to you and I go to bed to you because I'm a news hound. And I'm an extremely conservative, politically motivated person. But I want the truth. And I find that you guys deliver it. And I like the way you deliver it. So congratulations. I'm looking forward to great success for you. Thank you. Can we get your name and your address? <laughs> We'd love it's, to take you to dinner. <laughs> I'd love to go to dinner with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, you can go too. <laughs> that was very nice. Thank you very much. I, you know, you don't know how much that means to us. That, that means a great deal. We have been working really hard to make this happen in this country. And, well, thanks. Thank you. Okay. So, um, so I'm told. Ambassador, did you plant that question? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. We're, we're all friends. Not really. Um, so we'd like more questions like that. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. So we only have, I've just been informed, we only have four minutes till 1.30. If you, we'll carry on maybe a little bit beyond that. Is that okay, Jim? If people want to leave, they can certainly leave. We'll hang okay. out a little good. bit. Good. All right. So you know what is a good idea at this point is maybe collect questions. So I'm going to go to three different people, and they can ask questions. But you'll you'll wait till you hear all three, and then then answer them. Makes it quicker. Okay. <laughs> You're first. Uh, what do you think of PBS? Because that's where I watch my news. At, P at PBS. Right. I, don't, I, don't, don't answer yet. Don't answer oh. yet. Next question. T. <laughs> They're rules. Uh, I'm, whoopsie. I'm trying to move it along. As a journalist, your opinion is very influential to your viewers. How do you uh, separate your biased emotional opinions with your journalistic? I, uh, well, Don't well I yet. can't answer that one. No, either. just remember the question. Okay, so there's one more question over here. And then, okay, here we go. Yeah, just a short one. Uh, we were talking about Egypt a few, uh, few minutes ago, and I wanted to know if there's any behind-the-scenes effort still going on by governments like the U.S. and U.K., et cetera, as well as by uh, the world journalistic groups to, to try and resolve that problem and get your people freed. Can I answer that one? Okay, yes, you can answer that one. All right. You can so, answer all three, any, so, any so, and all. So, that, so that the, there are efforts underway. I don't know what those efforts are. All I can tell you is uh, we had, just a quick story, we had Bob Simon for 60 Minutes on our air probably – several months ago, and and at the time, the State Department had called for the release of our journalists, our colleagues, but the President, as far as we know, had not gone to uh, President Sisi and asked for their release. Since that time, the Secretary of State and the President of the United States in person have made, uh, have, have asked for their release. Um, I, I wish you to come sooner. And then Bob Simon, who spent his own time uh, kidnapped um, as a journalist, expressed that opinion that night. But we're glad that the president has finally said, 
that. And we hope and pray, and there are journalists around the world who have protested and stood in solidarity with these guys and with us as we try to get them out. I mean, I, I know from my work how dangerous it is, and I know how many colleagues risk their lives every day to bring us information that we need to know. And um, you would think that the world would become a, a place where uh, free, spe- free speech and free pe- press is getting better, and I'm not. I'm worried that it's not. So thank you for that question. And just so, a, a quick follow-up to that, in that uh, hashtag free AJ staff, for those of you who like social media, is, uh, is one of the uh, viral ways we're trying to get the message out. Uh, between doing regular stories on press freedom that, that reflects issues other than what's happening to our own colleagues, it also allows us to remind the world about our colleagues who are still jailed. But it, we consider this to be a very important issue, and, and thank you for raising the question. So do I have to remember what these uh, No, I, rem- I remember for you, John. Okay, I, you know, my so the, I have short-term f- memory problems. The first question was about what do you think of PBS uh, yes. NewsHour, okay. and then the second well, question well, was about, that. okay, um, I'll do that later. I can't do more than one thing at a time. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love PBS. And, uh, and Jim Lehrer is a friend and, uh, and one of my heroes. And, um, and I know Judy, uh, and Gwen. I worked with Gwen Eiffel at NBC News, and I'm huge fans of what they do. Um, I would say, and I don't think they disagree with this, that they, they've had some tough times. PBS has been cut. Um, their resources are limited. We benefited, I think, from that in some ways when we were able to lure Ray Suarez from the news hour, and we're proud that he's with us. So if you miss Ray Suarez, you can find him on our network. <clears throat> um, but I, I, I believe in what they're doing. I'm just, we just don't, they, I don't think they have the resources that we have, and they're not doing the, the programs that we're doing and, you know, more power to them and I wish them, I wish them well. But I think that, um, I think we're the place. You know, I think as consumers of news, one of the things to look for is how much actual reporting is being done and how much, uh, you know, well, there's this side and there's that side and let's have a discussion. I, I think that what PBS does on the discussion is better than anybody. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, I mean, I, but, but, again, but the reporting is, is certainly, uh, lacking. So it's, not, so it's not their fault. Objectivity. 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 It is, we talked about objectivity. We spoke to this uh, wonderful class uh, this morning at the Irma Rangel School. Irma Rangel School. Uh, these amazing young women who are incredibly talented, and they asked a similar question about objectivity. Uh, in the world today, it seems like nobody's objective and everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got a point of view. The, the journalism world has gone round and round about this since the birth of our country. Sometimes we have been more objective than others. I'm one of those people who believes in objectivity and has fought for objectivity. But look, there is no perfect definition of, of an objective story or of objectivity. It is what you think is objective versus what I think is objective. But for us, the goal is to be objective. And I've spent 30 years of my life trying to be fair. I don't want to use the phrase fair and balanced, but fair and balanced. Mm-hmm. And, and, and 
And I believe I've been successful doing that. I try to do it every single day of my life because I believe it's important. And there, I mean, I am a, I am a son of the South. I am born in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a function of, of who I grew up with and who I met and who I know and who I know now. But somehow I filter that and come up with, you know, what I do on the news every night and, um, the goal is to be objective, and if you don't think it is, call me up and tell me so. So we have to actually have one last question from the high school okay. table, yes. and then and then Jim will, will get up and close. So, Marissa. All right. Hi, I'm Marissa. I'm from KCBY Capel, Hi. which is our student-run television network. Yes. Um, our question is about ISIS and how it has impacted the face value of Al Jazeera America and how people approach Al Jazeera. Uh, the face value. Um. Would you like More to as a, you know how people react to Al Jazeera, and maybe maybe if they don't want to watch it, not necessarily, but you know how they uh, approach Al Jazeera with the ISIS. I think that um, our coverage of, of ISIL, ISIS, IS, Islamic State um, has generated uh, viewers for us. Um, it, in, the indications, and I don't have the numbers, and I don't watch them very closely, but I do know that that more people have been watching during this time. I think our coverage has been comprehensive and fair, and um, I haven't had any complaints about the sort of coverage. Um, but I do know, and what, what we have done stories about, is the reaction um, to Muslims in America. And, uh, you know, we spoke to a young woman who was uh, accosted on the streets of New York. She is born and raised in the city of New York. Um, but because of what she was wearing and because of the way she looked, she was accosted by someone. And then uh, uh, there have been other instances since this story broke, um, um, incidents like this. So um, those concern me a great deal. Um, as they concern me about any religious group or any ethnic minority in this country that is uh, that is discriminated against, that is harassed, that is abused, that is beaten, and um, that's not an answer to your question. But uh, but but I haven't I have not experienced anything anything like that or know of anything. I want to thank you for your question, and to all of you, thank you for making time of your busy, busy schedules to be with us. John, continued yeah, success. Thank you very much. Mary, you I'd so like much. to present you with the virtual. Our members are used to this. I want to present you with the virtual World Affairs Council official scarf. <laughs> when you give us, when I have, I have your address. Now, our members know that I usually just give one tie, but we got a side deal here. So I know that I'm going to see both of our ties, and our members will see it when you're wearing it on air, and then they'll write you and say, thank you for wearing the World Affairs Council tie. Thank you. Ambassador Glassman, thank you, you so much. Tie too. You guys are great. It's really a pleasure to be in Dallas. This is the highlight of our, of our trip here, so we appreciate the time and energy you took to come here. Thank you. The program is adjourned, but uh, we'll be here for a few more minutes. For more information about the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, visit them on the web at www.dfwworld.org.